Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and today I'm joined by two of my friends. Uh, first, my normal co-host for the post-game podcast, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how you doing, man? Not great, DW. Not great at all. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I feel like we're saying that every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, also joining us, uh, Corey Woodruff. Corey, how you doing, man? Hey, doing good, DW. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, so we're here to recap the Falcons' Falcony uh, loss against the Washington football team. They do drop to one and three. Washington moves to two and two. Uh, Falcons lost in what can only be described as Atlanta fashion. Uh, mm-hmm. Last second, um, just sort of a, a series of blunders. They lose 34 to 30 at home uh, ahead of their London game next week against the Jets, who just beat the Titans in overtime. So I don't know what to make of this season, except it's weird as hell. Um, but we're not going to talk about the Jets. We're not going to look ahead. We're going to talk about what happened in this game because um, I, there's an interesting dynamic. And I'm looking at what's happening on Twitter right now. And I will say this. Um, Falcons fans are absolutely lit up. And, and I understand why. Um, this was another one of those losses that is painful um it's frustrating it feels like it was unnecessary uh that there were things that could have been done differently uh and all of that is true um but i I think there's a different perspective to take on some of this game Uh, and i think some things believe it or not that may be a positive coming out of this that are things to build on but before we get into that um, i want to get just a high level take from each of you guys um, Corey, I'll, I'll start with you first. What is your sort of high-level take of this game and where the Falcons are currently at? I know this sounds weird. I feel really good. Like I, it, this is exactly what I wanted this team to be four months in, I mean, four months in, four games in. Um, I wanted to see an offense that was capable of high production, and I saw that today. Um, if you limit some of the mistakes that I think were a bit more player-driven than coach-driven, um, you know, I think reasonably they should have been able to win this game if they had not been just for some bad mistakes and with drops and with penalties. Um, So the Falcons played a messy game on offense, but it was also a really inspired game. Um, The scheming seemed a lot more complex and willing to push the ball downfield. It seemed a lot more like we were getting more tight ends involved, which is Arthur Smith's kind of specialty. Um, It just seemed like an offense that's really beginning to like figure this thing out in a way that doesn't mean they're going to be a good football team but it's in a way where it you know reminds me a little bit of Kyle Shanahan's first year in San Francisco where they'd won they'd lost nine straight games and then they finally won but it's like one of the things that people could tell with Kyle Shanahan's offense is when it finally started to coalesce with the roster you began to see why the guy was hired and today's the first game where I can see why Arthur Smith was hired after what today happened this is Mm -hmm. what the team hired him to do they hired him to get production back on the offense, which had gone stagnant um, 
really since Kyle Shanahan left for San Francisco, you know, four years ago in Atlanta. So, you know, the defense didn't play well at all. Um, it was a bit of a step down from how they were last week when they were kind of holding the team in the game. But this is kind of the seesaw stuff that I'm expecting them to have at this point. And the record's not fun. It's not great to be one in three. But if you kind of look at that from a grand scheme of teams type thing, and you see the progress they're making and the players that are evolving in the spot, like I, I, there's not too much I'm like super unhappy about outside of the general result, which to me is the least thing you can worry about right now. Yeah. Um, Evan, what are your thoughts? Um, on the opposite side of the spectrum from Corey, <laughs> um, I want to feel good and I cannot. Um, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Uh, the first couple quarters were good. The Falcons were well in control of the game. Cordero Patterson looked amazing. Um, the offense overall, even Matt Ryan at times, the ball was hanging up in the air a little longer than I'd like to see, but I mean, the offense was rolling um, and then they got the lead, you know, and for the Falcons the past <laughs> several years, uh, that's the worst spot for them to be in is the fourth quarter with the lead. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Cameron Nazeliak got hurt and left the game. So young way was the punter. Um, and for some reason, Arthur Smith got way too conservative at the end. He just did. Um, and you can argue it all day, but that's what happened. Uh, the play calling got very bland at the very end um, and allowed Washington to get back in this ballgame and ultimately win. Um, when your punter isn't hurt and your defense is really good, be as conservative as you want, but your punter's hurt. You're near your own end zone and you're doing second and 13 runs. I don't get it. Um, there's no way to justify that. That's, you know, something hopefully he'll learn from. But, you know, when you also see the team calling out the media, as they did last week, for being critical and calling wins ugly, I don't know what you call this game. <laughs> ugly. <laughs> it's ugly. I mean, it's beyond Painful ugly. Loss. I've seen ugly. This is, like, sick to my stomach. Like, maybe maybe they'll be good next year. Maybe. But we're talking about this year right now. And that was embarrassing. Uh, I don't see other teams losing in that fashion. You know, you can – pick any team. They're not losing like that. Um, the Falcons had the lead and then just kind of threw it out the window. I mean, you know, the Titans just lost in overtime with a missed they field goal to Julio the Jets. They didn't have Jones and A.J. Brown, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's the Jets. Um, so, I mean, it, it's I think there's the problem, I think, with the Falcons and, and Falcons fans in general right now is that the, there's a narrative around the team that is linked to the past regime. And when we see anything that connects this current team to the past regime uh fans have and, and i understand that they have a a freak out um it happened earlier this week it, for the most innocuous of things where um arthur smith they someone else not even him not even the head coach put up one of those the believe sign in the media room as a joke it was a reference to um you know the win last week and it was a ted lasso reference and Arthur Smith leaned into the joke. He was he was clearly just sort of playing around with it. And he hit the the belief sign on his way out of the media room. And I saw fans go apoplectic over him doing that because it reminded them of Dan Quinn. Um, and it was the most ridiculous out of you know context response to that entire scenario that I had seen. But then I realized I was like everyone was complaining because it reminded them of Dan Quinn. 
and it reminded them of the low, you know, the, the slogans and all that stuff, even though that's clearly not what Arthur Smith was doing. And I think a loss like this, it sucks. It's horrible. It's stupid. Um, it reminds people of what happened under Dan Quinn and, um, yeah, they lost the lead. They lost it in the last you know, few seconds of the game. Um, but I think it is important to reset sort of expectations. We knew this defense was going to suck this year. Like they are talent deficient. Um, and on top of that, they had some you know, key injuries in this game. We lost Isaiah Oliver you know, midway through. And, and incidentally, I want to say, I really, really hope he's okay. He's, he's been a young guy that has really had a, a very strong bounce back season. I've been very optimistic about what he's done. And of course, we lost him, and I think that was a factor. Um, and we knew this team had no pass rush. They they had one sack in this game, but it was literally like Foya Lukland um, tackling uh, Heineke for a one yard loss. Like it was such a small, uh, tiny little sack. It, it doesn't even count. Um, so I, I think that it, this is more about expectations and remembrance of what this team has been and not thinking about what this team can be. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that Atlanta is going to be a great team going forward. You know, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I think if you're looking at this team from the context of we need to see what progress they're making, I think it changes the outlook just a little bit, like, like Corey was saying. All right, we've all given our, given our takes. And, and I understand, like, I think Corey and I are 100% in the minority <laughs> right now like yes I, I think Corey, you and i agree that there's there's a lot of people that aren't going to like what we're saying and i i understand that um but i want to talk about what the falcons did on defense and what washington did on offense so evan uh do me a favor run us through some of the statistics from the washington football team and what they did to our defense today uh tyler heineke or taylor heineke who uh, apparently is from nearby atlanta um had 23 completions, 290 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I mean, one of those, like, you just have to watch it. I'm not even sure it's how it happened. Yeah, it's just – I can't even describe it. Um, Antonio Gibson, who was dealing with a shin injury through uh, – on, he popped up on thir- Thursday's injury report and then was questionable and ended up suiting up for Washington. Uh, had 14 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Um, through the air, Terry McLaurin, who I said was – probably the most underrated receiver in the NFL uh, looked very good. Six receptions, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, JD McKissick, former Falcon had five catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, their offense uh, looked good. It looked good, you know, especially late. So <laughs> um, yet again, a Falcons defense has made, a marginal starter at quarterback look like a yeah for for future reference if you weren't already on this thought if you're playing fantasy football if there's if you need a quarterback streamer look for who the falcons are playing that week and just if they're available pick them up start them you're you'll be fine yeah um you know it's interesting and i think this is what we're going to have to learn about this falcons defense if we face a decent offensive line that quarterback is going to have time and they're probably going to carve us up and I think that's what we saw. We saw um, with the Eagles, uh, and I know everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't that good. Well, that offensive line is good. And even though they've had some injuries and they have guys out now, we faced their healthy offensive line. That was a good offensive line. Then we faced the Bucks, who also have a very good offensive line. Um, and then last week, we finally faced a team with a terrible offensive line, and our defense played much, much better. 
Uh, and then this week we, we faced a Washington team that has a decent offensive line. And I think, again, we, we struggled to pressure the quarterback. To me, that's, that is the big um, factor here. But it's not a surprise. Like We knew going into this season that was Grady Jarrett. Um, I, I do think Dante Fowler has played much better after the first game. And I think he was a, a much better player in this game, even though he didn't get any sacks. Um, but it's basically them. Like there is no one else on the defensive front getting it done. And that's just going to be a problem for this team, I think, for the rest of this year. And, and you know, if the Falcons are going to win, they're going to either have to, you know, get some interceptions um, or they're going to have to you know, win in shootouts. And uh, honestly, I think that's the nature of this team right now, which is why I don't, I do not think this is a playoff team. I right. didn't think they were a playoff team coming and, into this year. And not to get back to it, but, you know, as you're talking about the defense, that's why, like, for me, the problem in this game was the decision making, knowing your defenses, and unless he thought his defense could stop Washington, which obviously we know, you know, in hindsight that they could not twice. Um, but the play calling, how it was, it was strictly about killing the clock. Um, I'm talking about when the Falcons were up 30 to 22 is about killing the clock. And then for some reason thinking young way Koo could punt it really <laughs> good. Um, you know, in a normal situation, the punter gets some, you know, gets it down to Washington's like 20 and then they got, you know, not, not terrific field position, but obviously that wasn't the case on Koo's first punt. Um, it, but then it's like, you thought that, you know, the defense would just step up and win the game, which they haven't, you know, there's no reason to think that we haven't really seen that anytime. Well, I mean, they did last week against New York. They did close yeah, out that game. I mean, but it was Falcons offense that ended up coming back to win the game. Ultimately. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. This isn't a dominant defense. They're, they're good no, they're at not. times. Um, but if they were dominant, you could, you could kind of have that safety net of, okay, well, our defense will step up. I don't think we have that kind of defense and it's unfair to kind of put that on these players. I don't think they're, you know, at that level. Um, they're good and serviceable when they need to be kind of thing. Um, but that's why the play calling was weird for me, how it went from running. And then when the Falcons got the ball back after it was 28 to 30, then you saw the play calling change to, okay, we need to throw some. And then it just didn't work and they ended up punting again anyways. Um, but for me, I mean, the fans probably think something different. I know you guys do too. But for me, that was the big issue was, okay, it's like it flipped in his head, like, oh, shit, this defense isn't as good as I thought, or like, <laughs> I can't rely on them, and now I'm in panic mode. And then, you know, it spiraled out of control from there. Um, yeah, Corey, what do you think? You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like I didn't know what to expect when the year started because I didn't know half the players. Like, it, it was at a point, like, when the year started. I, I five just, Falcons, Corey. Yeah, I didn't know. Like, when I would watch the preseason, it's like, I genuinely don't know who these people are. It's just like I'm still having to learn, like, who's that number? Who's this? I'm starting to get there. But, I mean, no, I, I, I kind of – when Dean Pease first got hired, like, I kind of felt like maybe he can kind of, like, you know, make a you know a carriage out of a pumpkin here but uh, you know they don't have any talent i mean gray jarrett aside and players like Deion jones and foyer it's like the the you know dante fowler really has come on and i think he has been a much better player and is playing more like the guy i think that they thought they were hiring in 2020 yep. 
But, like, the secondary, when Isaiah Oliver went out, it changes the entire dynamic because I they were relying on him so heavily. Um, you could just hear it in the way Dean Pease talked about him during that press conference. Um, they really think a lot of him. And I think mm-hmm. that with Terrell coming back, he was a little rusty today. Um, they really needed him to be the guy in the secondary to step up because Eric Harris and Daron Harmon have their limitations as veterans in the league. Um, Jalen Hawkins is still figuring out how to get meaningful snaps. Richie Grant must not be quite ready for prime time yet. The secondary, um, they don't really have much to work with. Fabian Moreau has kind of been up and down so far. So it's just like, this was a very, if they, the secondary to me is the most money balled position on the roster right now. It just looked like there's, <laughs> there's no, there was no ability for this team unless they took that first round pick to put any sort of meaningful resources. Now they did with Richie Grant, but they seem to be prepping him for more down the road. So when you lose a player like Oliver, who has been outperforming expectation, it changes the whole dynamic of how you call the defense. And it seemed like he's a much more important player than a lot of us realized to what he's going to mean to this new version of the Falcons. And, you know, the inability to get pressure late was frustrating, but at the same time, it's like you look at the way that they're doing like John Kaminsky and Jacob Tuoti Mariner, who was not active today. It's like, they still are figuring out who the guys they want to use and they're still kind of picking and piecing. So there's like a certain point where it's like, no, they're not playing well, but it's like, I don't really know when they do play well, they're outperforming expectation. And I think that's just the level you have to take with this defense is like, even when they're doing a good job, they're doing more than they're supposed to. And I think until Terry Fontenot and the staff can get more guys in the building that, they want to build in their image and build up more of a defensive line that can be NFL competent, then I don't think this defense is going to be able to quote unquote, like win games for the Falcons. Like they want them to. Yeah. I think the ceiling for this defense is uh, not lose the games, which is what we saw last week. They, they got yeah. a key stop at the end of the game. Um, they allowed the defense to close it out. Uh, and, you know, that's, I think this, the, the ceiling and what we saw today was probably going to be the average where you really can't count on them to get key stops. And honestly, the, the thing also that jumps out to me, they had several opportunities for interceptions, balls literally mm-hmm. in the hands of our guys in the secondary and just watching them bounce out. Um, you know, they had several missed tackles. Foyer had a terrible day um, with missed tackles. Um, Deion Jones had the missed tackle on JD McKissick that ended up turning into the touchdown. And uh, had he tackled him, you know, Washington's kicking a field goal there instead of uh, going ahead. And, you know, that those plays matter. And this is a defense right now that they can't afford to make mistakes uh, because of the quality of the roster. They can't afford injuries and they're dealing with both. And that's, you know, too much. And that's why you see them giving up 34 points to a Washington team that should not be scoring 34 points on you. Um, because they made mistakes, they dropped you know easy interceptions, um, and they're missing tackles. And when you have a defense that is talent deficient, that is not going to cut it. And you know that's part of the story of this game. But clearly, the the you know the play calling. I, I don't. I feel like everyone's going to go after Arthur Smith, and I get it. That last drive um, was. Obviously not well called. It was, you know, some, I don't know why he ran the ball on second and 13. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but I, I'd still look at this game and I say, if your offense scores 30 and your defense gives up 34, there's, there's a bigger story here than your head coach didn't call the right plays or your offense coordinator didn't call the right plays at the end of the game. Um, this defense is just lacking and it's going to take, I think, some time 
for them to rebuild it to being a defense that honestly just it just it just needs to be serviceable. Like a serviceable defense today wins the game. And yeah, I think that's that. where we're agreeing. Like just to bring us together here. That's what I don't understand is that defense. Like, why did he think it was okay to put the rest of the game on them when it was, he was literally getting conservative with the play calling with like 10 minutes left in the game. It, it was unfair to think the defense was just going to shut them out from there on out. And I'll just keep running the ball and then punt it. That's what I don't understand. I mean, to play devil's advocate here, what does it say to his locker room and to that defense if he doesn't trust them at this point while he's trying to build his culture? I mean, do you really want this new guy who's here? You're trying to impress him. You're trying to find some sort of reason internally to believe in this new coach you've never had. You're coming off Dan Quinn. It's like the master motivator. I think Arthur Smith right now needs to be able to lean on his players, even when they're losing, just to show that he has a bare level of belief in them. And like, again, if this were like, you know, the NFC championship game and they're on the wire here, it's like, obviously there's a certain level where it becomes a different situation, but this was a one and two football team. I think right now, I think what folks forget is Arthur Smith isn't just trying to be a coach on the field. He's trying to be a coach off the field. And I would rather him right now put faith into guys' hands and then make mistakes than him not putting faith in guys' hands and build distrust within the room. So there's obviously time to make situational play calls, but I don't want to see Arthur Smith bail on things right now because this team is not good enough to bail on any sort of option to try to find and grow. So I, I want to see them continue to give this defense opportunities because I want to see the, I want to see growth. I want to see these guys go out there and get this experience because it's going to matter much more if this team can get back on the right track. And I think that's important, but when it's closer to almost over, like there was still like 10 to 12 minutes left in the game and he started letting off the gas. The reason the Falcons were in the position they were was because the offense was still laying it to them. I think that's what it speaks back to what DW was saying about, you know, reminding fans of the past because this team did get up on people and pull off the, you know, put on the break just start coasting, hoping that would be it. The defense would just close it out. And, and again, that didn't happen. Well, it's been a little bit of both, hasn't it? Like, we go back to the Super Bowl and we we uh, we talk about, oh, God, Shanahan should have run the ball, right? Like, that's – I feel like it's it's really less about, oh, you know, we get too conservative. It's that we get conservative in the, right, in the wrong moments um, or we're too aggressive for too long. Um, it's like we're not – handling it properly. Mm-hmm. And and that's, and I think that's fair, but I will say, um, and we're going to talk about the offense after we get back from the break. Um, I will say if, if he was thinking um, and I, and he's in Arthur Smith's press conference, he basically said his play calling at the end was that he believed in, in Mike Davis, that Mike Davis was going to um, get them the yards and, and secure and keep the ball secure. Um, and as Corey said, I think that's him basically saying, I'm, I'm going to choose to believe in this guy and that he is going to, you know, sec- help us secure the victory. It didn't happen, clearly. You know, Davis was not good on the day. Um, but Patterson and Gallman, as rushers were, and the offensive line as a whole was playing a very solid game overall. Um, so I don't think the decision um, to, to run at the end was completely idiotic. Like, second and 13, I'm not a fan of running the ball, period. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, we've seen situations like that where second 13, Matt Ryan drops back to pass and he gets sacked. You know, like that's not any better. Um, all right. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
We're going to talk about the offense and what they did today because I do think, again, there are some positive takeaways, um, and I think this is something to build on for the rest of the season. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Evan Birchfield and Corey Woodruff. We're talking about the Falcons' painful loss in week four of the 2021 NFL season at home to the Washington football team. They lost 34-30. to If you didn't see how it went down, May I recommend that you just read the recap instead? Don't go watch it. You'll just pull your hair out. Um, however, we've talked about the Falcons' defense in the first half. Um, I think we sort of all universally agree they're just not a good, they're not a defense you can count on at this point. But I want to talk about the offense. Uh, and I intentionally wanted to finish this podcast talking about the offense because even with um, their number two wide receiver out, Russell Gage was out for the second straight game. Um, even with multiple drops, and it wasn't just one guy. It was multiple guys, again, in this game. Calvin Ridley, in particular, was particularly egregious with the drops. It was painful. Um, Kyle Pitts does not get off the hook. He had several drops in this game. Um, Lamade Zacchaeus had a couple of critical drops. This, I feel like, defines part of the offense today. However, even with that said, the Falcons scored 30 points. Um, It should have been 31 because they went for two in the third quarter, which was a dumb decision um, and didn't convert. But 30 points uh, normally wins you a football game in the NFL. Um, Of course, this is the Falcons. They found a way to lose it yet again. Um, And that is where I'm going to pull my hair out. However, uh, I feel like this is something to build on for the Falcons. The defense is what it is, but this is the first time this Falcons offense has looked good for the majority of the game. Evan, why don't you give us some of the key stats, and then we'll jump into our thoughts about what the offense did. So Matt Ryan threw the ball 42 times. 25 of them were caught uh, for 28 to 3 yards, uh, 283 (laughs) yards, uh, four touchdowns, a pass rating of 111.5. This was uh, easily the best game uh, for him in quite some time, probably dating back till early last year. and somebody else who really had the best game of their career overall was Cordero Patterson, um, had five catches for 82 yards, three touchdowns, one of which went for 42 yards. Um, and then running, he had six carries for 34 yards, averaging 5.7 yards per carry, which is really good. Um, we got to see some Wayne Gallman finally, who was active, uh, yes. six carries, 29 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, which I'll take. 
Um, Mike Davis finally scored. It wasn't a rushing touchdown, but he had a uh, he had 13 carries for 14 yards, which is awful. But he did have two receptions for 12 yards and a receiving touchdown. Um, so yeah, uh, Kyle Pitts we saw a little bit more of nine targets. Uh, he caught four of them for 50 yards, and Calvin Ridley who. At t- I mean, I don't even know what to say about Calvin Ridley. It's like at times he looks good, and at times he's dropping passes. Seven receptions, 80 yards. Um, yeah, so that's about it on the offense. Yeah, I I was surprised with Ridley. Like the stats, if you were box scorer viewing this game, you would think, oh, Ridley had a, a fairly decent, decent game. game. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't great. No, it wasn't. He had several key drops, um, including one that would have kept the drive alive early on in the game that would have been a third down conversion. And this is – I'm not going to write off Ridley because it's four games, and this is a long season. And um, clearly, he needs to do better. But I, I'm just going to be blunt. After four games, people are questioning whether he's ready to be wide receiver one, and I understand why. Like, his performance has been inconsistent – um, he has at times avoided contact. He has dropped way too many passes uh, in just these first four games. And he is often caught running horizontal. And I will say, you know, last game, people said, okay, Matt Ryan is checking it down way too often. And that was true. That's been true for the first three games. Today, Ryan was challenging downfield repeatedly. In fact, I think Ridley and him drew two or maybe three pass interference penalties that were downfield passes where Ryan was putting it 30 plus yards in the air, trying to challenge downfield. And obviously they got the pass interference yards and that still counts, but there were several of them where Ridley just flat out dropped the ball when he had the chance to, to uh, receive it. He wasn't alone. Um, Kyle Pitts rookie obviously is going to need to learn to do a little bit better with his routes and catch the ball away from his body. He had several knocked away from him today. He had nine targets, only four receptions uh, for 50 yards. So that's, that stands out to me. And then Zacchaeus who honestly, you know, he's only in there because Russell Gage is hurt. Um, and I like Zacchaeus in a limited role, but as wide receiver too, he's showing that he is just not up to the task. Uh, he also had some drops on the day. Um, Corey, am I off base on this, or do you feel like the drops were part of the story for why this offense? Honestly, I feel like the offense probably could have could have put up forty had they not uh, been dealing with all these drops throughout the game. Yeah, and it's interesting. I was just thinking, like, I wonder if they were dropping the ball so much because none, not at any point this season are they used to actually having to catch a pass. It's like past ten yards. I mean, there's like there's a certain point where it's like I'm sure the deep ball's not crisp right now because this is the first tank and like first game where Arthur Smith has felt like even moderately comfortable doing it, which is interesting. Um, now, obviously, Washington's secondary has been pretty put on this year, so maybe he just felt more comfortable opening up the passing game. Um, but obviously the drops were a huge factor. I mean, I really thought Smith called a great game. Um, I thought it was really crisp offense. The offensive line played well. He was playing to Ryan's strengths more and putting more faith in Ryan, which is what I had kind of had a problem with earlier. Um, is that I felt like he was not putting enough faith in Ryan to go out there and execute. But I think that those two are getting on a better page now and that's allowing for more production to happen. Um, I, I really, really like the, the mentality of the game. Um, it, the Ridley stuff is interesting to me. I do think they'll re-sign Ridley, but I also think that this offense is veering towards a Kyle Pitt-centric 
you know, situation. Um, he's obviously not there yet, which is fine because he doesn't need to be. But you can just see teams are already taking him very seriously. They are mm-hmm. they are respecting what he can do, and that they're willing to do that right now while he's kind of fledgling and figuring it out. That bodes well for the future. Um, but obviously, Ridley's underperforming for where I think he should be. But you know, I, I'm very more than willing to give him time. But I'd also, even if like he's not there yet, I do feel like they will try to re-sign him because finding good wide receivers is hard. And they we've had so many first round busts in the last few years, and I just it's a position that is very hard to scout for and I do think that he has done enough over the last few years to where they'll give him a decent amount of money since the cap frees up a tremendous amount once 2023 hits to be that part of their offense but I do think they'll continue to add to the position for sure but Mm-hmm. I think that Arthur Smith was the bright spot outside of Ryan today. And obviously Cordero Patterson, who I think they need to resign as soon as they can, because he clearly is what <laughs> Arthur Smith is like looking for in this offense. Like he's, he's very, very good uh, and has not traditionally been nearly what this is in his career. So, I mean, the offensive line looks a lot better. Poor Jalen Mayfield took so much crap after that first game. And I think he's, you know, he's got to work his penalties out, but I think he's definitely been much, much improved. And I just, this is why it's like I'm willing to gamble on patience because I think it's a good place to put your chips right now because I think this is what patience rewards you with is progress. Mm -hmm. And like, I just don't know right now if the wins aren't going to come regardless. It's like, I want to see progress. So if they were just out there continually playing like crap, I'd be more frustrated. But this is what, after that first game, when I was like, I want to be patient with them. This is what I did that for. Like, this is the reason why you be patient with new regimes is because they show you the progress, even if the wins don't fall their way. So, I mean, I was, I don't remember being this optimistic after a loss in quite some time, but I, I feel good. Like, I feel good about what the offense did today. I feel, I expect the defense and Arthur Smith, the head coach has work to do. Like, I think his situational yes. coaching has to get better, but I think that was just going to be a given. He, the guy's got to have some time to grow. And if that can get better, and I feel that it will because he's a smart guy, like, now again, if he's like Quinn and never grasps the head coaching role past a culture point, then obviously you have a problem. But it's like the guy has only done this four games and he's calling the plays. I think people forget Quinn wasn't calling defensive plays um during that first season uh he may have done a little bit behind the scenes after they fired Richard Smith but you know Arthur Smith is balancing a lot right now and he's a younger guy I mean he's like 38 39 years old so yeah yeah so he's he's very much still at that point in his career where he's he's got a lot on his shoulders right now he's trying to take a franchise that's in the bottom of the league for three years essentially back to the top and uh, if he can work out as and again there's no reason to think he won't figure this out better as it goes on like I, I don't understand why there has to be such immediate immediate gratification outside of the fact that immediate gratification feels good and it's like if you're willing to be patient <laughs> with these guys they probably more often than not will get better at the things they're not doing good at right now. I am way more worried that the offense he had in Tennessee won't translate, but if he continues to call plays like today and gets better and better in that facet of the game, then I think it shows way more of why this team hired him in the first place. Yeah. Um, Evan, when you and I talked in our preview of this game, um, I actually had a, a bit of a pessimistic tone about the Falcons offensive line, especially the matchup of Caleb McGarry going up against Chase Young. And yet, Matt Ryan was sacked just one time in this game. Um, we saw him challenge downfield uh, repeatedly. His, his touchdown 
his I think his first touchdown or was it his second? One of the touchdowns to Patterson was a uh, was a bomb. I think it was forty four mm-hmm. yards. Um, yeah, and in total, this I mean. I think we all agreed this Washington defensive front was stout. Like they have a lot of talent up front. And yet the offensive line, I feel like gave Ryan a lot of time in the pocket today. Time he hasn't had in the first three games um, or in the first two games. I I felt they did better last week. But in my mind, at least with the offensive line, especially the guys on the interior, you know, Jalen Mayfield, Matt Hennessy, I think it was another relatively good performance another step forward especially when you consider that you know washington has one of the the best defensive fronts in football um do you agree with that do you feel like there's uh you know something to build on there where the trenches are concerned an area where the falcons have lost continually over the years yeah i mean aside from jake matthews um you know i think we forget everybody's like super young and raw on that offensive line even chris oh, yeah. Trump, who's playing um, just his third you know, year one of, yeah, one of the best guards right now in the league, and PFF even backs that up. Um, he he's as DW just said in his third year. Um, Hennessy's only started, I think it's technically less than ten games. He's probably started like seven or eight games overall, dating back to last year at center. Um, you know, and then we obviously know Mayfield because he's been under the radar recently, and McGarry is kind of up and down and has his good days and bad days. But I mean, I. I, we talked about it, as you mentioned, on the preview show on uh, uh, Thursday or Friday. I forget which day it was. But, you, you know, we Was- uh, Washington's defensive front, one of the best in football on paper, mm-hmm. and they've struggled this year. Um, they haven't hit their, like, stride, you know, what, what the NFL's used to seeing from them. And we thought, oh, great, this is the get-right game for them. And it just wasn't um, throughout the right. game. They, you know, as you mentioned, one sack, like, they didn't look that appealing. Um, you know, I, I posted on Twitter earlier in the game, Mayfield literally pancaked. Um, I didn't see what number it was, but literally pancaked one of their defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about this defensive front. Um, I, I liked what I saw, you know, from the Falcons offensive line and, you know, they, especially in the run game, I thought they opened some holes um, for Patterson and, Davis and then late it kind of folded, but in the passing game, I mean, Matt Ryan had plenty of time to actually throw the ball. And I think that's why you saw an uptick in uh, deep ball throws. Um, I'll be interested though, overall to see, you know, if PFF kind of backs it up um, tomorrow when they release the grades, but yeah. I came away not even thinking about the Falcons offensive line for one. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. That's such a great way to put it. Um, and again, this was, the Falcons sort of had a murderer's row of defensive fronts they had to face to start the season, like the Eagles with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, um, the Buccaneers with Vita Vea and Ndamukong Sue and um, Jason Pierre-Paul, um, even the Giants, you know, they, they have Leonard Williams, who's a very good player in the middle. Um, and now, you know, probably the deepest or the, the most talented, again, on paper, um, defensive front in football. Uh, and they they held their own. Like we've seen substantial progress from week one, where the Eagles just absolutely devastated this offensive line. To today, Matt Ryan had adequate time in the pocket to challenge downfield to find guys. Um, I felt like Ryan, you know, as you guys have mentioned, had his best game this season, um, and part of that was this 
offensive line has been getting better and better with each game. And that to me, if, if nothing else, that's the big takeaway that I want to take away from this offense. Obviously, Ridley, Pitts, uh, Zacchaeus, they have got to clean up the drops. I think they will. I, I believe that the talent is there. I think Arthur Smith is going to harp on them this week about um, the, the numerous drops throughout the game. But what I saw from the offensive line was they gave this opportunity, they gave this offense every opportunity to take advantage of their skill position players, and they did. Um, and as you mentioned, Jalen Mayfield, for all of the hate he was getting early on, including from me, I include myself in that list because I was absolutely torching him after that Eagles game for that 1.4 pass blocking score, Evan, that we saw on PFF, one of the worst we've ever seen uh, in our time. of. Looking no, that at was stats. the worst. I've ever it was seen. not down. one of like, yeah, I didn't know. I literally didn't know it could go that low. <laughs> um, that, that kid, third round pick never played left guard before um, the past two games in, you know, last, last week where he was one of our highest graded players this week, he did not stand out. And that is a good thing. And honestly, this is one of the things that Arthur Smith did really well in Tennessee that was overlooked. The Titans faced a lot of injuries on their offensive line last year, and they still scored in spite of that. Um, and part of that was Arthur Smith knows you have to you have to get a running game going. Guys, we've seen what happens when you're a pass-heavy offense the past several years. Matt Ryan can rack up the stats, but when you are so dependent on your quarterback's arm, you are going to suffer for it over the long term. And we've seen that 2019, 2020. Um, you know, Matt Ryan had some great stats, but yet without a running game, this team was unable to close out games. They were unable to have a balanced offense. And I think that now that we're seeing this offensive line come together, Cordero Patterson, 5.7 yards per carry. Wayne Gallman, 4.8 yards per carry. The only downside here, Mike Davis, 1.1 yards per carry, 13 attempts, 14 yards. Obviously, that was not good, but they're building something here, and it's improving. Uh, as Corey said, and I agree, You know, this is, for me, it's about the progress. And I feel like a lot of people, I, I want to caveat this because I can already hear people coming after me on Twitter for saying, hey, I'm happy with this loss. I'm not happy with this loss. I'm not happy with how this game went down. I'm not happy that the, the Falcons call a run on second and 13. Please, please, please understand that. But this, some of the key components that we know are going to be important for this team over the long term. Um, Evan, you said it. Like A lot of these guys outside of Jake, Jake Matthews, they're young. And if they can, if they have found someone in Jalen Mayfield that can be their starter at left guard for long term, they've found someone in Matt Hennessy who is 23, almost 24 years old, who could be their center for the long term. Um, we already feel good about Chris Lindstrom. If they have those building blocks, that is a massive, massive uh, piece for the future of this Falcons offense. And I think we're beginning to see the payoff of that. They scored 30 points today. Um, but again, you know, this is, it, it sucks. And I, I'm sort of with Corey. I want to see where this goes from here. I want to see how this team responds to an ugly loss. And I want to see what Arthur Smith learns as a head coach, as a situational play caller from this game. He did not do a good job at the end of this game to be very clear, because I feel like some of you are going to come after me, but, um, you know, I don't want to let him off the hook, but 
at the same time, um, I feel like having the right expectations and looking at the progress of the team will help mitigate some of the pain of an ugly loss like this. Um, Evan, any final thoughts on how this game turned out, the offense, the defense, anything at all, anything you want to point out? No, I think I let my heart out there. Um, it just, <laughs> it, it hurts. You know, um, I've said it before and it probably won't be the last time I've said it. Like everybody at the Falcons, a Falcons fan first. Um, we're not just covering this team cause we were assigned to it. Like we love the Falcons. That's why we're writers for, you know, covering the Falcons. So this kind of stuff hurts. And, you know, if we would have recorded this a day later, maybe I'd be a little more level-headed, but right now I'm, I'm steaming. I just, uh, <laughs> you know, whether, which, whichever way you look at it, you know, this team is probably not going to make any noise later in this season. And that's, you know, some expect it, some probably still had hopes, but um, it kind of sucks. And, you know, it, it is good to see some of the younger guys um, step up. Isaiah Oliver being one of them, even though he got hurt. Um, I did like the fact that Arthur Smith didn't bail on Nazilak, uh, you know, like after having a disastrous game um, two weeks yeah. ago. And, you know, he looked good in the Giants game. I think today he averaged uh, 45 yards per punt before getting hurt. Um, Jalen Mayfield's probably the shining example of, you know, giving these younger guys a chance. Also in the offseason, I know they were cash strapped, but Matt Hennessy, um, this was a seventh start at center. Um, and I think he's doing a, you know, a good job considering, and then, you know, that just falls back on the Jalen Mayfield thing where it's like, imagine like trying to learn a profession from somebody, you know, you got somebody right next to you. The center is usually the leader of the offensive line and you're, you're learning from somebody who's learning themselves. Um, it's not like you have Alex Mack there who, you, you know, a insanely good veteran player who you can trust and, you know, Hennessy's trying to learn at the same time. So, um, yeah, that's a great well, point. I'm, I'm just trying to be optimistic here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to start just yelling and stuff, but yeah. Um, well, at least we all get to sleep in next. Oh wait, no, we have to get up earlier to watch the jet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But at least we get our afternoon back. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> we'll be done by lunchtime. The post game podcast will be posted at one. And you guys will be um, bemoaning or celebrating a win or loss against the Jets. God help oh, me if it's goodness. a loss. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. If you're going to lose, just don't do this kind of like up and down thing. Like come out and just lose. I think that's the worst part is when your hopes <laughs> get really high and you're like, yeah. And then they just rip the rug out from under you. Yeah. Um, that absolutely does hurt. By the way, especially Nizelic, against the Jets. <laughs> nice like averaged forty eight point five yards per punt today before he got oh, injured. Okay, even better, even better. So, um, yeah, it, it, great point about um, Arthur Smith sticking with some of these young guys when. Well, because um, against Tampa, I know, I know you remember, but you know, for the fans listening, like they, the consensus was he was going to be out of there. There was even a report. That oh yeah, they yeah. were bringing Jeff in Schultz somebody, did. Yep. right? And then he he backed off of that one but um and they i think they even like brought in some punters to uh try out and stuff yep. but they stuck with him the only problem now is he's hurt it looked like a hamstring injury and those especially when your job is literally kicking um is not good <laughs> so we don't know the extent of it um you know currently but it was enough to keep him out for the rest of the game and you'll probably see a punter mate uh move made unless it's not as bad as we think yeah 
probably. I think they still have uh, the guy they brought in, the veteran they brought in. I think he's still on a practice squad, but I'm not 100% positive. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out during the week. Obviously, follow us at thefalcoholic.com for updates on the Falcons punting situation. Not something I expected to say coming out of this game. Um, all right, Corey, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Yeah. Um, you know, I, there's just a certain point where this is the game I was, I've been waiting for. Um, I've, I've just been waiting to see touchdowns happen in, in bunches. And I think they would have had more opportunities for touchdowns today. And, you know, it's just, I don't think this is a very good team right now, but it's just like I'm fine with where they are because I see them grow. And I'm seeing guys like Cam Nizalek, who obviously got hurt today, but it's like look at the transformation he made from the Bucks game to the Giants. And it's like I, the most important thing they can do right now is build a culture. Like I, I know that that seems like something we're so tired of hearing about, but it's just like there's a reason that Quinn found such quick success um, and got to a Super Bowl in the second year. A huge reason of that is Kyle Shanahan. But another reason of that is <laughs> that he built the right type of culture. He, he built a team where guys wanted to go out there and play for him. And if Arthur Smith can do that, even in losing, like that's going to be the victory this year. Because again, the, all I wanted from this season, because I, I had no expectations when they traded Julio and my heart got stomped on that my favorite football player of all time was not going to be here anymore. I, I reshifted to my expectation to this. If they just started out winning games and being great, great. I'm here for it. That's fine with me. I want to make sure they hired the right people because there yeah. is something in a long-term sense where that was the most important thing that happened this offseason. It was hiring the head coach and the general manager. And like right now they have done nothing to make me think that they were bad hires at all. Like, I know that you can question decisions here and there, which is fair to do, because, again, these guys are not prone for making mistakes, nor are they prone for criticism at all. But the caveat here, is there really going to be this much anger over individuals who are growing on the job rather than just the general situation the franchise is in? If you're mad that the Falcons aren't good right now and that they haven't been competitive since 2017, yeah, I'm pissed too about that. It has been a slog to get here. But the team did what it needed to do. It hit the reset button on the front office and coaching staff. That's what needed to happen. It needed a fresh perspective. And right now, that fresh perspective is taking time. I saw that graphic come up today on the television about how all the first-year head coaches are doing. No first-year head coach right now has a winning record. And I think what that dictates (laughs) is that all of these coaches went in, quite frankly, pardon my French, to really, really crappy situations, okay? They, They weren't good. These teams were not good. You don't fire a head coach because you're finding success. So all of these teams that had to hire new coaches are building from the ground up, including the Falcons, which means... That while you can be frustrated they lose and frustrated at play calling here, again, be frustrated all you want to. That didn't bother me at all. But to make assumptions and demand, again, if you think that the coach should be fired right now, I, I don't have anything to say to you. Like I, there's just there's, there, That's not a sensical opinion. It's not. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not. nonsense. It's, it's ridiculously stupid. But if you're frustrated, Arthur Smith, that's fine. Be frustrated at him. But please understand that he's trying to figure this stuff out. And if you don't give this guy some time to figure it out yourself, you're just causing yourself a lot of undue stress. This front office is going to give this guy some time to figure this out, like any coach would need. Like he right now, yeah. they're not saying, oh, we're worried about Arthur Smith. They're being like, oh, great. He had his first 30-point game. Okay? This is like baby's first stage right now. All right? Like he's getting his – like. <laughs> 
baby's first 30 point game t-shirt after this like we're not there yet like you're, you're not getting mad at a baby for you know falling on its head one time like he's, he's figuring it out okay he'll get there but today i think was optimistic if you look at it through the right context um now can you be frustrated to lose yeah every time the falcons lose we all feel like bummed but if they can lose this game and learn from it and don't make the same mistakes or at least kind of lessen the mistakes as time goes on, that's to be expected. Because if you're going to get mistakes out of your system, do it now because everyone's going to make mistakes at this point when they're a first year head coach. So yeah, I, I'm not, I don't want to seem like I'm just like jumping up and down, being excited that the Falcons lost, but I am really optimistic about the fact that the progress seems to be, seems to be happening. That This is taking the, this is going in the direction it needs to go. And if it continues to go in that direction, which nothing is a gimme, but then again, the fact that they're already going in that direction should give us hope that by the end of the year, maybe we'll feel pretty good about the direction of this franchise. And again, we could have a quarterback change coming up. There's a lot of things that could happen in the future. We have no idea where things are going, but if we leave this year, and we think that Arthur Smith is a good head coach, I'm fine. That's a win. That means we've had a good year. So that's that's just kind of where I am. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's weird for those who are listening for us to come into this podcast after a loss like that and to say, hey, I've got some optimism. Um, I get it. <laughs> like You don't want to hear it. Um, but the areas where the Falcons have struggled the most are areas where they saw they've seen progress over the last several weeks in particular the offensive line we know there are still major issues with this roster and that was true coming into this season um i think if you believed that this falcons team was going to compete for the playoffs uh, a bigger picture of the nfc showed that was going to be an outside shot at best anyways like the nfc west may legitimately have four teams that finish above 500 at this point um the, this was a, a falcons team that I, I felt like coming to the season, their ceiling was going to be one win above 500. And honestly, they're probably a six to eight win team at this point. And that can still happen. And a loss like this obviously is, is painful. It's terrible. But at the same time, right now, I think this coaching staff, these players uh, are doing what they can with what they have in front of them. It's going to take time to install this scheme. It's going to take time to get the right players into the building. And right now, this is not the season for the Falcons to compete in the playoffs. There's so many better teams at NFC, and we have to be honest with ourselves about that. So the thing I'm going to take away from this is progress is being made. Mistakes are being made. Hopefully, guys like Arthur Smith, Dean Pease, are looking at these mistakes, the, the calculations they made, and they're going to adjust going forward. If they make the same mistakes at the end of this season, we will have a different conversation at that point. But right now we're in game four. Let's keep this in perspective. Um, so as much as I hate this loss, and as much as I hate watching the Falcons drop to one and three, I still feel like there's some things to build on. And honestly, um, right now, that's what I, I'm personally, as a Falcons fan, that's what I'm personally going to choose to cling to uh, as we wrap up this week for loss to the Washington football team, 34 to 30. Um, all right, Evan, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. Um, you can find me at the falcolic.com on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. And um, yeah, uh, just 
go to falcolic.com. There'll be, I do the injury reports from Wednesday to Friday. So stay tuned. I'll keep you updated on uh, some of the injuries. Evan, I'm going to drive down to Florida and just give you a hug, man. I need one. <laughs> like, you know how we joked about me, like for the record, uh, for people that don't know me, like I don't drink alcohol. It's getting close. DW. <laughs> I'm drinking right now, buddy. And if I could send this vodka over the internet lines, I would like. I should probably start light, but yeah, I appreciate it. Evan, please don't do that. Just go for a walk. (laughs) I I mean, you would think think, uh, what would help me is talking more about the Falcons after watching that, but it's doing the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like that's not going to (laughs) help. Oh, Evan, buddy, you know, I appreciate you being here every week on the post game podcast. Always, always. And and everybody make sure to um, look for our preview of the Jets game because we are doing previews now on yes, we are. Uh, Fridays, I believe. So Yes, that, that will land on Friday this week. Um, awesome. All right, Corey, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. Um, my uh, Twitter handle is Corey Woodruff 47. Um, I'll be honest with you. It's really shaping up to be a great fall movie season. So that's another reason why I could just Falcons, whatever the like movie theaters are back. So I'm, I'm fine. Like I, I have nothing to complain about. Um, and I'm not going to list my home address because I would be scared for me and my family's safety. If I did that with all the optimism that I have voiced on this podcast. So, um, you know, if you, if you need to throw a brick through somebody's window, um, we'll put chambers address on the website. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fine. Just send, send him his way. Um, but yes, uh, Corey Wooder 47 on Twitter. And obviously, um, I did this podcast a while back. And I know how difficult it is. So please throw good vibes to David and uh, Evan's way. They are true soldiers to get through these last few years of Falcons <laughs> football. Um, and they've done a marvelous job. Uh, I'm glad to see the podcast is still doing so well. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm very much indebted to them that they have made it through so much because I, I couldn't have done it. Like, especially like in 19 when they were like lost so many games in last year. It was just, just I don't know how they did it. But um, Corey I'm promised good. us that next time the Falcons uh, let us down in like be good fashion like this you'll come back on yes. I will I, I will for sure and I'm also going to start a GoFundMe for David's liver I guess at this point it's just like it might going. be too late off. it's probably too late <laughs> well, I'm hopeful we'll get it going oh my god yeah so um, I will retweet when Corey starts the GoFundMe for my liver because honestly I'm not going to make it to 50 at this point guys (laughs) not with this Falcons team Um, All right. as for me you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod and of course our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com so for Corey Rudruff and Evan Birchfield this is David Walker thank you guys for listening in We'll talk with you next time.